Hello everybody, I'm your host Hal Curtis and I'd like to welcome you to The Space Industry by Satsearch, where we share stories about the companies taking us into orbit. In this podcast, we delve into the opinions and expertise of the people behind the commercial space organizations of today who could become the household names of tomorrow. Before we get started with the episode, remember you can find out more information about the suppliers, products and innovations that are mentioned in this discussion on the global marketplace for space at satsearch.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the episode. I'm joined today by Alexander Teller, CEO of SatSearch member ACM Coatings, which is a company based in Germany. ACM Coatings is a subsidiary of ACTA, a company based in Israel, and specializes in ultra-black coatings and foils that improve the efficiency and performance of uh, optical equipment. In this episode, we're going to be discussing how black coatings can be used to suppress stray light, uh, reduce noise, and, and reduce reflections in space, particularly new space, applications. So uh, firstly, Alexander, I'd like to welcome you to the Space Industry Podcast. And um, yeah, so, see if there's anything you'd like to add to that introduction. Thank you very much for the introduction. It's uh, perfect. And we are really glad to have the ability to speak with you today. Okay, fantastic. So right, let's get this. This is quite an interesting topic. We constantly deal with the um, software and the hardware in particular of space companies that, you know, the individual uh, subsystems and components. And whereas what ACM Cotons does is improve the performance of those of those components. So I wondered if you could provide a quick overview of how black coatings are leveraged in space missions and the sort of components on which they're used and, and how they can influence that performance from the, the mission's perspective. Actar's deep black coatings and coated films are widely used in optics and photonics applications. And you can perfectly use uh, them to suppress and absorb scattered light, but also to absorb laser power and in addition to make surfaces with a high emissivity. And these properties offer a high potential for space missions. Traillight suppression plays a major role in optical and photonic payloads like cameras, spectrometers or telescopes, but also in solar sensors or star trackers, this is a considerable issue. The ability to absorb laser power, especially referring to a high laser-induced damage threshold of the coding, can be relevant for free space laser communication in complex systems, which may also need straylight suppression in addition. Uh, the generation of high emissivity of surfaces can be used very well with passive thermal management, but also for infrared calibration targets. This is already proven by numerous space missions to which we can return later on. Okay, interesting. So yes, quite a quite a wide range there, and and as you say, multiple uses in a singular application, both the the improvement of the of the performance and the suppression of the stray light. So very interesting. Traditionally, you know, optimizing stray light carefully to with great precision has been uh, very important for missions by the space agencies and larger manufacturers do you find that new space companies have requirements that are different from these from the agencies and, and the large oems for that legacy missions have have typically needed or the requirements sort of along the same lines is the need the same you know well yes and no the 
general goal of all large mission projects as well as new space projects is the optimal optical performance under space conditions. But it is well known that the environmental conditions are different depending on the requirements in new space or earth observation or deep space projects. Our coding technology performs in both worlds, in big space like space agencies, instrument projects with the same tools as in new space projects with maybe a high volume industrialization comes into play. This is because it is here where we can perfectly combine our expertise from 25 years of space heritage and the experience from industrial serious production. This is the key difference to our competitors in the market for space qualified codings. Space is only one part of our company DNA because our coatings and films have always achieved higher production records in industrial photonic applications and serious production such as sensors, medical technology, bioanalytics, laser applications, or even in the automotive industry. And a major difference is that new space projects also require cost optimization, which in our case can be realized mainly through higher volumes of uh, the components. Uh, our self-developed proprietary coding machines are so variable and flexible that it is possible to code even larger quantities of components and as the quantities increase, the cost for the coding decreases. A second related aspect is that the component sizes, the size of the components to be coded, are usually much smaller for new space projects than for components such as cameras uh, or telescopes for large missions. And the component size also has a significant impact on the cost structure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I imagine it would. That's really interesting. And in the work that you've done in other industries, particularly, you know, like you mentioned, medical industries, there there are quite stringent qualification requirements. And um, so bringing that experience of going through those compliance procedures outside of space into space as well must be interesting too now there are qualification requirements for sort of you know commercial off the shelf cots based new space components for outgassing thermal stability radiation and so on these are often different from the ECSS driven space agency mission requirements for, for deep space exploration travel to other planets etc are there any specific qualification requirements that you've had to change or adapt in your solutions in order to, to tailor to the, the new space market? On the one hand, it's true that uh, deep space missions or missions to other planets have uh, different requirements, perhaps more demanding requirements in missions in low orbit for new space applications. Um, on the other hand, there have always been uh, large missions like the Copernicus weather satellites, which were in low Earth orbit with uh, relatively same uh, requirements. A special focus now with new space components is, of course, always the resistance to atomic oxygen. In recent months, we have carried out various additional qualification tests in cooperation with our customers. and were able to show that all our coatings, but also our coated films, are perfectly resistant against atomic oxygen. In addition, we can say 
that we have coatings that have been qualified for large missions and extreme temperature ranges. For example, a coating qualified for use at cryogenic temperatures, like for the famous James Webb Space Telescope, or a coating qualified for very high temperatures on the other end, up to plus 450 degrees Celsius, like for the MITES project, which is a mission to Mercury. If, like us, you have coatings that are qualified in this broad spectrum, it's much easier to respond to the requirements for new space than the other way around. What is playing an increasingly important role is the topic of passive thermal management for entire satellites, but also for sub-areas or instruments. And for this purpose, we have uh, developed new materials based on our roll-to-roll coating technology. We can coat a thin film substrate, typically polyimide like Kapton, with either our deep black coating, which has a high emissivity and a high solar absorption, or with a white coating option, which has a relatively high emissivity but a relatively low solar absorption to improve the passive temperature management of small satellites. It's very much about the performance requirements of the individual components and subsystems rather than what the mission overall is trying to achieve. Because as you're saying, if the coatings in the films are qualified for large temperature ranges and, and stringent requirements, you're able to adapt them to meet different aspects without too much change. So that's really interesting there. Well, let's take one area. So, so let's take cameras as an example. Obviously, you'd imagine the optical requirements in cameras would demand lots of use of minimizing stray light and, and optimizing optical performance. There are several COTS camera manufacturers emerging that are targeting the new space market in visible near-infrared and shortwave infrared bands and across different spatial resolutions as well. And we, we talk a lot about these sort of applications. We hear a lot about them and um, in the industry and the end users are growing as well. But of course, everything in space comes with trade-offs. So what are the kinds of trade-offs that such camera manufacturers or the, or the users of them would need to consider when selecting the right sort of coatings and substrates to increase the overall performance of the camera? Well, the first thing to note is that stray light and optical performance are, of course, dependent on the wavelength range of the application. Stray light Problems often arise when you take an existing system design that comes from the visible wavelength range and change the wavelength range to near or shortwave infrared. There you often see stray light effects that were not seen in the visible range. So what is the reason for this? The reason is that the absorption of light in surfaces, in our case in black surfaces, is wavelength dependent. And surfaces frequently used in technology such as anodizing actually only absorb light in the visible range and become transparent or even reflective in the infrared or um, even already in the near infrared starting at 650 nanometers. This means that the optomechanical components I've used for my lens that perfectly worked in the visible range already act like reflectors in the near-infrared and can massively deteriorate the performance. In contrast, we can claim with our deep black coatings that they absorb in an extremely wide 
range from UV over the visible into far infrared. We cover everything up to a max wavelength of 15 micrometers. And this also covers all photonic applications that we see today for the new space market. Long story short, the wavelength range plays a major role in the consideration uh, of this topic. As soon as you get into the infrared range, stray light issues are much more critical and cannot be tackled with uh, conventional surfaces. This also means that you cannot avoid creating a new stray light design for your specific product line and answering the questions about optical performance and stray light suppression with this design. The advantage is that already on the hardware side, you have the possibility to exert a great influence on the performance of the optical system and above all on the contrast and the image quality. And not only later in the image processing uh, in the software, which has to eliminate these effects. The goal should be always to realize an image that, that is as good as necessary for the application on the one hand. And on the other hand, you would like to match as many customer requirements and applications as possible with such an optical system for the new space. Right. Brilliant. So, so as good as onboard data processing and, and image post-processing are becoming, if you can improve the quality of the pictures coming into the system in the first place, then um, you're obviously going to get a better result. And I'm very interested in that you're saying cameras, as an example, can be adapted from different wavelengths, but not without some optimization calibration work, which, which as you've said, it sounds just vital. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's great. Thank you. And that's on the, the payload side, obviously. I wondered if you also had any recommendations for teams that are using or designing uh, for, yeah, from the supplier side as well, designing um, star trackers or sun sensors, you know, these these um, navigational components that have that can be affected by stray light and, and reflection. I can say that the topic of uh, reflection suppression should be considered as early as possible uh, in the development. This can also lead to the advantage of lowering the degree of complexity if you use a suitable absorption layer for stray light baffles or solar baffles and entrance baffles. For example, if you use a powerful surface treatment, one could make the component smaller or shorter. This means that you can resign a certain number of wanes or apertures. So the complexity is reduced, the number of components is reduced, and with that, the cost of such a system is reduced. It is a good solution working reliably for a long time without showing any degradation effects. By the way, uh, we have available a full database of stray light and reflection measurements for all our codings. This data is called BRDF, which is B-Directional Reflectance Distribution Function. And it is used in stray light design and analysis software. Using this data will enable you to see the effect of our codings very early in the de development process. Just reach out to us and we'll make it available for you. We can link to that definitely in the show notes of the episode. Thank you. That's, um, you can't overemphasize, I think, the benefits that simplicity can bring in uh, space, in any space hardware, reducing everything that you require in that process and time power requirements, everything. So 
that's a, a really good point there. So thank you. I think just to finalize here, there's an array of uh, different, you know, component manufacturers focused on sun sensors, star trackers, cameras, as we've mentioned, and various other kinds of optical technology. Some you mentioned earlier, you know, in satellite links with optical communications. Lots of these are emerging uh, for new space, for the new space market at the moment. How do you see the market for, for you as a Cotins provider evolving in the next, say, five to seven years, notwithstanding pandemics and global invasions and whatever else we have? <laughs> so, Yeah, well, in general, photonics, not only for space, has always been a growth market. Uh, we see with the new space movement a strong demand strong growing demand for surface solutions, a uh, solution for absorbing surfaces in our case, especially this fast growing market with new companies, new players coming in can become more confusing. Uh, therefore, uh, communication platforms and supplier platforms like SatSearch play a big and important role in our daily work. On the one hand, uh, to be visible to the industry, but also to give us a better understanding of the new players and their requirements. It's fair to say that we have a very positive view of the market, and of course, we want to grow with it. We are permanently looking for new fields of application for our surfaces, besides the classic stray light suppression for cameras, telescopes, or spectrometers, star trackers, and solar sensors. Of course, we do see also big potential for Laser absorption, uh, especially big potential for laser satellite communication and free space communication, uh, but also for passive thermal management for instruments and satellites. Well, fantastic. Thank you. Like that's a very wide range of areas and, um, yeah, a very uh, exciting outlook for, for you guys there. So, um, that's, uh, that's everything I wanted to cover. I really appreciate you being able to spend the time with us today and, uh, I think um, the listener base will have learned a lot about the importance of coatings, the applications of, of coatings and files in different situations and how to um, you know, manage the, the, the trade-offs and the considerations from both the both users and a, potentially a supplier's point of view. So I'd like to thank you very much for yeah, your time and attention today, Alex. Thank you very much. It was a big pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you. And to um, all our listeners out there, you can find out more about Actar and ACM coatings on the SatSearch platform. We'll um, provide you some links in the show notes to this show and um, you can take the opportunity to reach out to Alex and the company and the team there with any of your questions about the material that we've covered today. There's also information about lead times and data sheets and all sorts that we can help you access and um, we will uh, be happy to help you with anything that you need in your procurement or trade study purposes. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space Industry by SatSearch. I hope you enjoyed today's story about one of the companies taking us into orbit. We'll be back soon with more in-depth, behind-the-scenes insights from private space businesses. In the meantime, you can go to satsearch.com for more information on the space industry today or find us on social media if you have any questions or comments. To stay up to date, please subscribe to our weekly newsletter and you can also get each podcast on demand on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store or whichever podcast service you typically use.